Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 27, Episode 20 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. And I'm Stork. And Happy New Year. It's just us. It's a new year, it's a new us. Right, it is. I guess. You know, I had we had to, at work, we had to, we poured 12, or we had a, a ready mix truck pour 12 yards of concrete today. Wow. And I had to go out and help, because you gotta, you got to get that shit moved around yeah. before it You can't it just stand around and go, oh, it looks hard, you got to get on it. God <laughs> damn, a shovel full of concrete weighs a fucking lot. Holy shit, my arms and shoulders fucking kill right now. It actually weighs more than, than actual dry concrete. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, shit's heavier than hell. Uh, it weighs as much as concrete. It weighs more than concrete. Yeah, and we had tw- 11 and a half cubic yards. How much How much does that how much did that fill? Like, like literally, because you're pouring it only like a foot deep. I mean, how big a space did you guys fill? Two, the, they were not quite 20 feet long and about 8 feet wide, two sections about about 6 inches deep. Okay. We, okay. we actually had to call call in a second load because the first load we came up short. We're like, fuck! And the ready mix guy's like, this happens all the time. I can, I'll can i call radio in and have him bring another yard and a half to you. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's not an exact science, you know. It's like well, it is if you know math, and the the guy who calculated it doesn't know math very well. And <laughs> who it happens to? <laughs> Wasn't me. Wasn't okay. me. Uh, in this episode, James from One D Four Podcast, that's an, a fellow RPG podcast, uh, okay. writes in about flashbacks. Uh, MRCJ writes in about pacing, and Graf sends a thank you and a confession. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail dot com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on several social meteors as Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and MeWe. Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. And if you'd like to watch the show live, the show is back to Friday nights at 8 p.m. 7 p.m. Pacific time. Hi. <laughs> We're we fine here. <laughs> at Happy Jacks at happyjacks.org slash live. Yeah, we missed the last last couple episodes. We just forget a lot of things these days. I, I mean, it's it's the older I get, I know that I, my, my short-term memory is gone. Oh, you know what? And I didn't switch the camera over. Look at that. Hi, guys. Hi. Uh, I'm waving now. <laughs> yeah, my short-term memory is gone. And in fact, uh, my long-term memory is also gone. But what's worse is my short-term memory is gone. Oh, the, the, oh, the whole like going in, going into a room and forgetting why, it was while you're a there. Joke. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I was looking at the thing. I, I didn't hear yeah, everything okay. you said. I was trying to pretend to that, that I was listening. I'm used to that. <laughs> it's, like my, it's, it's like I'm married to you. We've known each other like longer than we've known our wives. Probably thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, it would have been close to, not quite 30, but close to 30 years. All right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> flashbacks from James at 1D4 Podcast. I enjoy a good flashback. I mean, that's really the benefit of doing acid in your youth. Is to never, get to the never took acid. Never took well, acid. I had mushrooms. It really, it really, it takes you. But. <laughs> uh, greetings, Stu, and your mostly venerable crew. I've heard that you were low on emails, so I, so I thought I'd ask. We are still kind of a little low on emails, so if you would like to send an email, happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg.gmail.com. Uh, so I thought I'd ask a question about something I don't recall any previous episodes and has been on my mind recently, flashbacks. We need to have the sound effect. Right, from uh, Wayne's World. That's not yes. da- that's not dating us. <laughs> it's, it's still relevant. I still see memes and stuff on it, but anyway. That's true. To set this up, there are several games that have flashbacks as integral parts of their system. Uh, for instance, Blades in the Dark uses flashback scenes which allow the PCs excuse me, uh, to take various levels of stress depending on the action they want to take in the flashback. Zero for ordinary actions, one for complex actions and unlikely opportunities, and two stress for elaborate plans that involved opportunities and contingencies. Gumshoe uh, games like Time Watch and Knight's Black Agents have a preparedness skill that lets you spend points uh, from 
spend points from to add to your role to have certain items or opportunities happen within the game. The more unlikely or elaborate, the higher the difficulty usually starts at 4, uh, which must be beat on a D6 pl- roll plus points spent. That's kind of cool. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a elaborate initiative thing. It's like, yeah, I'm prepared. I have a thing for that. Right. Uh, finally, leverage Cortex Plus. That 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 is a the first time was a great TV show. I loved it, and and I I have a copy of the that's uh, Margaret Weiss Productions. Yeah, they're the Cortex people. Uh, I have a copy of that, and I really liked because I remember this, uh, is all about flashbacks, so was the TV show, uh, as it ties very closely with the show of the same title. It's core mechanic, it, it, it's a core mechanic that allows the GM to showcase one PC's background at a time in fun and interesting ways and allows for new opportunities and contingencies to come about for that PC that adds to and helps the plot move forward. How do you, as a GM, handle flashbacks in your games? especially games where there aren't any specific flashback mechanics, such as D&D, Fate, Moment of Truth, yeah, and uh, etc. Uh, are, are those scenes more like narrative information flavor text, or do you let PCs participate in them, i.e. grant granting some narrative control to them with the caveat that thing they, they can't change the future with their actions. Anyway, take a drink. Thanks for reading James from 1D4 Podcast and 1D4 Con in West Virginia. P.S. Take another drink. I don't have anything. I don't even have water. Uh, you know what? You, uh, take another drink. You know you want to. I didn't take a drink. It, it's funny to me that uh, as he was mentioning all these games, I'm like, I wonder how GURPS handles it. I'm like, uh, might be the one thing GURPS doesn't have a mechanic for is flashbacks. I don't. You know they what? They may have to put out another edition with flashbacks mechanics now, just well, you could, because you could, they, we've you, run down the gauntlet. You could always lift th- those kind of mechanics yeah. from something else. I mean, and the thing, moment of truth doesn't either. But there's no reason you couldn't use the little moment of truth tokens to to say I want to spend this. I mean, that would be a, a very easy thing to house rule and fate as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I think you could do it in anything, but it really kind of depends on what you're doing with your flashback too. I mean, if it's just a a memory recall or if it's just maybe an information or a clue thing, that's one thing. If it's tantamount to time travel where you're going to spend an entire, like, episode or or, or, um, game back in the past, that's another thing that you need to handle. If it's... If it's just a thing like you remember now something your father said that, you know, to tie in with the investigation that you're doing... That's another thing. So it's a that's a really smushy thing to figure out, like what a flashback is and how you're going to handle it. Because I would handle it differently depending on what the circumstances were. I think it depends on the genre of game that you're playing. That's true I mean, too. I mean, definitely a, a game based on on leverage. Because if you watch Le- leverage, is basically like it's a heist show every week. Like All right, heist, I remember right? watching it. But their flashbacks were t- almost time travel because they would have this whole, they would have a lot of time back in the past before they jump forward again. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't re- literally time no, travel. It really wasn't. But, it, but it's like, oh, we're in this situation. How the hell did he pull that off? And then it would go to the flashback scene. And you'd see, oh, here's here's all of the prep stuff they did that they didn't show the first time, right? Like the Family Guy does that all the time too. And that's, I mean, that, a lot of heist movies do that. I mean, that the o- Ocean's Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. The I, I didn't never saw the original, but the the remake with Clooney. That those are all throughout it, and yeah. especially at the end, obviously, and that's normally where you would put them. But if you're doing a heist kind of thing or something where that is like part of the genre. I think you probably need to, if you're going to do something like that, it's probably not a bad idea to have some sort of mechanic for it, but it needs to be balancey. I mean, it definitely, I mean, in, in, in all, all of these systems, it costs you something to have that flashback that prepares you for something that you weren't ready for, or that yeah, yeah. deals with some surprise... It's like, oh, yes, we anticipated this, right? Well, you also just need some sort of randomizer attached to it, because you can't just say you do the thing. You need to see if you do the thing, if it succeeded, if it... Otherwise, you're just going to... Otherwise, why have it if you're just going to give it to them? You know what I mean? Well, in some of it, there has to be some kind of cost, at least. Yeah. Right. Um, Now, now, someone mentioned GURPS time travel. You know, I just... I didn't even... I, I didn't even realize there was a GURPS time travel... I'm like, is there a GURPS time travel? And I went and I looked, I'm like, 
holy shit, there's been a couple of editions of Groups Time Travel. At least two or three. And and I don't think I've ever seen that before. No, it looks like there's no yeah, it looks like there were two. There's there's a fourth edition and it looks like there's a third edition version, looking at the covers. And it's got a tri- triceratops on it. So I don't know. There's a new book I need to go buy. Being the completists that... uh, that, uh, I'm not... You can't be the (laughs) Right. But I I don't... I'm sure they went time travel. We must do that too. Right. Well, they they have infinite worlds, which can kind of sometimes be like time travel, but you never have to deal with the... the, um, What's the term? The paradox? The paradox. Bullshit. A most ingenious paradox. Um, I'm. I don't know how I would handle it. To bring it back to the topic. I mean, I can remember once you had a game. I think it was our vampire game, where you had other people come in and play in the past as other vampires that affected the story for our the vampires in our current timeline. And it, I did. Well, a, I did. I think quite that- a flashback. It was an interesting way of handling. Uh, the time, and I guess it was a flashback because the stuff that they did was then relevant to our to our vampires. They at played that time, yeah. They played different. They played uh, like supporting NPCs. Mm-hmm. I think, and we did. I think we did one episode where we had them come in, and they played the the Nosferatu on the island. Mm-hmm. That a couple. There was a couple of different things, and, and the stuff yeah. they did was really important. And then I think you also had some happen at the con as well, and you incorporated that into the stories as well. So. But my point is that, that is a, that's a really interesting way of handling it, which is just, if you're going to have a whole game episode, or if you're going to have a whole time travel, or you're going to say, maybe just have your players play younger versions of themselves. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of these systems, the way, it, the way it appears to me is what it is, is this is a way to gamify retconning. Yeah. Because in, in it's that situation where you're playing D&D, and everyone's in the dungeon, and you realize you need that fucking ten foot pole, but no one has one on the character sheet. And it says, "Can I retcon that I brought my ten foot pole because I bought one, but I don't have it on my character sheet?" And the, what what happens in normal D and D? No, it's not on your character sheet. You don't have it. You have to do something else, and or whatever. And but if you were to gamify it and give them some kind of a cost for it. I don't know. God knows what that would be. In I'm D&D. also just laughing at the fact that carrying a ten foot pole around, especially in a small cramped dungeon, is a pain <laughs> in the ass. Because I've had to carry plumbing pipe like into basements and up staircases, and there's there's a hole like you got to stand it up and move it around, and sometimes it won't go around corners. I mean, very, it's a pain in the ass. Very handy though if you need to, if there's a nine foot chasm. Now, if, if there's you, an if there's an eleven foot get chasm, around that sharp corner in the in the oh. five foot or six foot uh, <laughs> hallway that it is, you're, you're just stuck in there. You can't get the this. this there's a simple matter of math and geometry. I know. You know how I do it in D anD. I, I I would I would let them spend XP. I can. Yeah. I, I'll let you retcon that and come up with you know a, a reason why you would have brought the thing or or whatever and, and for you know, a couple of XP or something I mean I wouldn't charge them like oh you have to drop a level nothing like that but I think that because XP is, is kind of the in game is kind of an in game currency and people use it as that anyway because they use it like if someone's willing to take notes on this on this session I'll give you five extra XP sure if everyone sure. shows up on time I'll give everyone five extra XP <laughs> All it's been so long since I kept track of XP for anything. It's just so weird. It's just a weird concept, but you're right. That is a way to, to do it. It's like, fine, I'll give you the 10-foot pole, but you got to pay me 100 XP. <laughs> and, and, I don't know. Every time I think of the 10-foot pole, I, I, I think of some dick GM making 11-foot chasms. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I, I mean, that's kind of to me. That's kind of what it is. I mean, no, I have done. See, I I don't know if I've done flashbacks in games where, and that's an interesting idea. That'd be kind of a fun thing to do as a way around the table for players to sort of explore and share their their character's backstory. Could be very interesting to do something like that. I remember Bill was talking about he played a game of Song of Ice and Fire. Where everyone made their character, and then they were all handed characters that were basic, like 
just schlub villagers, and then they got attacked. Like the village got attacked by somebody and killed everyone, except one of the characters was able to escape with their lives or something like that. I think you did that too in one of in one of the four E games that we had. I did. You had us, you had us uh, I, I, play villagers that got. I, yeah, I did. I, you're right. I did. It was when you guys went finally went to the sort of like elemental plane. Yeah. We, there was a small village, and I had you all play villagers, and I played the bad guy that you'd been chasing. Yeah, that, and, that, and it and that, worked. It was a very effective. I don't mechanic. know if I would call that a flashback per se. It's not quite the same thing, but that doing stuff like that is fun as long as you're capable of rolling with whatever it is that happens. And, and yeah. in a way, with uh, again, the traveler, because I always bring it up, because you were all there for people's character creation, and you're developing that backstory as you go along, and events happen. Oftentimes, those are referenced in, as your character. You know, you're like, oh yeah, there was. I lost my eye in that explosion that you were at. Oh yeah, right. Hmm. So I don't know. Again, I would. It would be. I would have to treat. Depending on what the flashback is, if it's just if you're just giving back out a clue, like, oh, you remember your college professor talking about how this Egyptian hieroglyph means this is one thing, as opposed to uh, like an entire storyline that happened in the past or happened to you in the past that might have to be you know we might all have to go play our, our older selves or younger or selves or younger selves right yeah. absolutely alright well thank you James 1D4 cast and 1D4 con in West Virginia for the email I hope one day that you are able to have an in person game con again yeah right um, I hope we are all able to have an in person game con again it would be nice it is I miss it the next one is from... Pacing. Pacing from Mr. CJ. The concept of pacing. Hello, cheeseburger fans. Oh, that's a... That's a, that's a throwback. Cut. That's a real throwback. That's a flashback. Yes. As I listen to different APs and think about my own games, I bump up against the idea of pacing. How fast the game moves from point to point. How long do you let your players shop, argue, plan, etc., before moving them along to other things? The idea of pacing is one of those terms that would end up getting defined and redefined. What I mean to say is that in the course of a scene, the GM stepping in to push the players into action by introducing a new plot element slash information, conflict, or just moving on. Unless the players are getting bored, there really is not there's not really a wrong answer. As far as I'm concerned, there is no objective perfect no objective perfect pace for a game. I've become accustomed to Stu's slower paced games, particularly the current Cthulhu <laughs> I was game. Where, mention oh, something like that. Go ahead. <laughs> what? Um, okay. Go ahead. Where, uh, where over the course of a few hours, there are relatively few scenes and less combat. Well, you really don't want combat, Cthulhu. But anyway, <laughs> I compare that against my own games. I like a quick movie game where I have likely twice as many scenes and likely two or three combats using GURPS. Yeah! There we go. Uh, Where combat is a little quicker. Then, thinking about pacing in your game and the combat system is kind of a fixed element with its own internal rules that usually takes a certain period of time. On the bell curve, Rollmaster and highly level D&D combats will take a little more time (laughs) than something like GURPS or TFT. A a little more time? (laughs) The entire session. So depending on the pace of game uh, you are looking for, it depends somewhat on how much combat and what system you use. Using an abstract scenario, if two thespians start arguing about something to the exclusion of the other players at the table, how long do you let that go as a GM? I look for signs from the other players that they are losing patience yes. as I monitor. If I'm getting bored with it, thoughts, Mr. CJPS? Ugh. That, that, that is the... That is the... Right there. I mean, it's like, it's like when, when we are on stage... And someone says, that was a great show. That song went over really well. Very often, I'm the one person in the back watching the crowd more than anyone else and going, no, we shouldn't do that song ever again because eight people left. You know what I mean? (laughs) That that kind of thing. And I think if you do have two players who are acting out some big, drawn-out scene, don't look at them as the GM. Look at the other players. Are they stacking dice? Or are they watching in rapt attention like they're watching a tennis tournament back and forth? 
if they're doing the if they're doing the former, well, you need to cut it short. It probably should be ended now. If they're doing the latter, let it go. Let it go until people start until people think it's done. Because a lot of times the players, you know, like someone one of the one of the players who's not involved will say, "Can I walk into the room right now?" And then that's a good good cue to say yes, <laughs> and then it interrupt their train of thought or whatever they're doing, and and go move on with the game. I've always considered myself that to be the my weakest attribute as a gm is pacing i think my pacing my sense of pacing is generally pretty terrible so much so that i i used to have a a player named brian who used to poke my arm as if it were a fast forward button especially when we were traveling when the, when the party was traveling somewhere, it's like, you know, they, 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 I would describe stuff and they're like, can we just fast forward through this? And in fact, you, know, you do now, which I sometimes not, but sometimes I forget because in, in our last Call of Cthulhu game, Jim very gently said, uh, he said, I want to go do this, blah, blah, blah. Can we kind of fast forward? They were traveling. They were, they were driving from Chicago to San Francisco. I'm bad with travel. I'm bad at pacing travel. <laughs> and so, well, unless you're going to have wandering monsters and you know wandering damage, then right. might as well just fast forward. And and, and 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 I'm and I'm getting ready. And and you know, they, there some things had happened leading up to them going driving from New York to Chicago, and then, but clearly my pacing had been a little slow. And Jim's like, "Can we fast forward past some of that driving?" <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, we can. Oops, <laughs> and that to be to be fair, to be fair. Um, some of that might has to do with with being on Zoom because it's really it's hard enough to gauge a, a table. I've when always you're in person. I've always been bad at that, that but it's page. even worse when you're just staring at people's faces. <laughs> that that's true. Yeah, but yeah, that that has that, that has always been my Achilles' heel. I think is is pacing. I, I think I pride myself on my pacing. I'm usually pretty good. I cover like, but I've been doing con games, and so I'm always like really conscious of the clock. I'm like, right. we got to get through, we got to get going, we got to get going. And so I tend to I tend to cover a lot of ground on those con games because I write overly elaborate scenarios. Shocked, I know. Um, <laughs> but they, and I always get it just in time, which also helps having a co GM so that there's no downtime of flipping around and looking for rules, and you, you just got two people that are able to. And, meet, and move things along very quickly, but uh, I my my latest GMing stuff, which has been a while now, was all con stuff, and it was always very fast paced because I was very conscious of the clock. Right now, in in, uh, in a normal setting, I don't know. I'm still. I think I'd still be conscious of the clock. I still feel like people's time is precious. And you really want to get them in and out in four or five hours. You don't want to spend, you know, seven or eight hours just belaboring. No, well, you can't. In a con game, you can't. You can't. But even like in in the real world, like when we're all gaming together, it's like you're meeting in the middle of the week. And as much as people love gaming, you really only have about four hours before people are like, okay, "I got to go to work," you know, "I can't." Right. So I, I think, and maybe just because of my job, I'm very clock conscious, and. uh I have to be very careful when I say that, <laughs> and uh, it's 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 to, to, almost a point of anxiety sometimes. Yeah, I, I see. I always like because travel is my always been my Achilles heel, and I always try to remember that I should should only role play out travel if I'm a trying to foreshadow something, or if there's or or, or just enough to give a sense of how trying or long the travel is. And and the way to not do that is to make the description of the travel extremely boring. But sometimes I forget that. <laughs> yeah, that is that I, is. Uh, I I always try to give descriptions of of the the journey. You know, the the, the leaves fade from autumn, and you go from the low grounds to the high grounds, and the trees change. And right, you notice the air gets over the fourth day. You have to bring out your cloaks because it's getting colder, and that kind of stuff. As opposed to, all right, you're there. See one of my one of one of the things that to me, um, it like I don't personally when I'm watching like movies and stuff like that. I like slow paced stuff. I mean, like for me, if you if you think of like the first Harry Potter Potter movie compared to like the last four, at, at how quickly the 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 story progresses. 
in that first movie, there's a whole bunch of establishing, you know, camera shots where you know Harry's like sitting down in this in, in his little window when he first gets to Hogwarts, and and you know the camera kind of pans outside, and you can see his owl flying over the over the landscape, and there's just sure. big sweeping things. See, I can watch that shit all day long. I love that kind of stuff, but you don't see any of that when you get into the later ones. So, like the the first one, the first movie to me was like I, I thought it was just fantastic because it's got all that stuff in it but i have to i I keep forgetting that i'm not the only one i'm not i'm i'm most people don't like that long (laughs) sweeping shots it's like get back to the get back to the action start shooting something for god's sakes it's like everybody's died in five minutes i was watching an old movie god what was it it was fairly it was in the last block or something oh but it was old. Oh, um, shit. It's right on the tip of my tongue. God damn it. Well, oh, oh, holy fuck. 2001 Space Odyssey. Oh, yeah. Oh, 2001 yeah. Space Odyssey. Slow, long movie. You got you sit there, You're there for like 20, 30 minutes at a time. You don't even know it's a science fiction film for the no. first 20 minutes of the film because of the dawn of man. And it's like a two-hour movie, too. Oh, no. It's, like, it's longer than two hours. Is it? I okay. think it is. Because I sat down and watched it. And then I, and I finally got to the part where, it, where they... Where the, where the Spoilers. Where, the, where, they, where he goes with the, uh, the... My God, it's full of stars. That whole thing. And the slit scan effect. And that goes on for 20 minutes i turned it off i watched it okay i've seen the movie and i remember this part there's nothing happening for the rest of it click that was the reason the reason that line went so long is that everybody that had dropped acid at the beginning that, of the movie was just coming on right. at that point and they were like their minds would explode yeah. oh yeah but i mean if you, told, you there's no way you could get away with that kind of pacing in a film today there's no, no. way well, okay. That said, not in a, at least to, unless it's an art film. I got in a long argument with a guy at work that hated Lord of the Rings because of the pacing. Like, oh, a bunch of people walking and walking and nothing happens and walking. I'm like, I was riveted the entire movie. I was like, oh, I he hated it. I I thought it, I thought it especially compared to the books. I thought it was extremely fast paced. <laughs> there was hardly any complaining about home. <laughs> It was enough for him. I don't know. He got. He, was, he hates it. He was all up against it. He was just you know. It's if I want to watch people walking together, I was, uh, it's a whole. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, yeah. It was a heated debate. Davy O'Mac in the in the forums like remember Star Trek the motion picture. Let's drift around showing off our ship. That's exactly. They're doing exactly the same thing in two thousand one Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And if you compare two thousand one to two thousand ten, totally. I mean, it's like wow. The, the the difference in pacing between those two films is remarkable. It could be argued that 2001 is an art film anyway, so... Hmm? It could be argued that 2001 is an art film. Because well, it's Kubrick. It's, it, not really... Well, yeah, but... Story... That's what Kubrick like does. Like, The Shining had some story to it, you know? 2001 is open to a big interpretation, but mostly it's about the visuals. It's about the, about the, how did the, how did that stewardess then get turned upside down? And how's he running around that thing? And, and how's it, all of that stuff. And it, it, but, I mean, the, but the establishing shots of each scene are so long in that film. I think he was on acid when he shot it. I think he just really, it was a matter of like Ridley Scott loves his backgrounds and loves his sets. Right. More than he likes the actors. If you go watch Alien, <laughs> the, the, the Nostromo is featured prominently. Oh, yeah. You can barely see the actress. It's practically a character, right? <laughs> uh, it is. Yeah. God, that's funny. You know what I've started watching? Did you. Speaking of science fiction films, does it. Did, did, do you remember seeing uh, Stargate in the theater? Yes. Did you, Great masks. Did you like it or did you think it was a piece of shit? I thought it was a piece of crap, except I really liked the masks and some of the physical effects. I remember leaving there. Oh, I remember. Really great masks. Well, yeah, you could say the same thing about Dune. Great costumes. Yeah. But it was a piece of shit. That's about all I said. (laughs) Although my argument for Dune is that it it intrigued my brother so much that he went then and read the novels. Oh, really? Okay. And I think that Dune, people were like, so you could actually understand what's going on. Yeah. There was enough people, there was enough in that movie that made people go, huh. Maybe right. I should see what this is really all about. Right, but I I, w- I am shocked that there were three series and decent series of television series based off of that terrible, terrible film. And I'm watching They're based off the books that the terrible, terrible film is based off. Oh, I didn't you even realize the, there were the books. Series. I didn't realize there were books. 
There's a, it's based on a series of novels? Dune? No, Star Stargate. Oh, Stargate. I know Dune. I, I read I Dune. read all the I, I stopped Sorry. reading it like Okay. Squat House Dune or whatever it was called. No, no, yeah, there's a bunch of other movies and then there's a whole series, a television series, yes. And the series is not bad. There's three series. Yes. I'm watching the one called Atlantis right now. Yeah, Stargate Atlantis, yeah. And uh, it's got, uh, what's his name, Jason Momoa, who looks like a kid. His, yes. his arms are only like that big around. <laughs> but the thing, that, the thing I noticed when I was watching it is you can tell the quality of an actor by what they're doing when they're not saying lines because mm-hmm. there's a few spots in there where you know my eye kind of wanders because you, you tend to watch whoever's got the dialogue right, right you're supposed to that's the right but he, you work in the industry because that ruins movies for you or like i end up staring at the scenery while people are doing you know emoting well I, what I, I happen to stare at whoever else is in the shot Mm-hmm. Not, I didn't do it a lot, but I did it occasionally, and that's a real way to tell what kind of quality actor you're dealing with. Because if they're if they're reacting to what's going on in a believable way, it's like, oh, okay, that guy's an actor. Or it's like the guy's face just shuts down, and he's in the middle of a very heated argument, but he doesn't have any lines, so he's just standing there with a blank face, and it's like, man, that's not what people do. <laughs> I just happened to notice that anyway, and and, and then I went down this freaking rabbit hole. Um, of like shows with spinoffs and stuff like that, and I remembered the X Files. It had, I guess, I guess they're both kind of spinoffs. Right, they had the Lone Gunman and Millennial. And Millennium, well, not Millennial. Millennium. Millennium was such a good show. It dark. Was, fuck yeah, it was dark, but God, it was good. A lot of Lance Hendrickson just sort of. Oh yeah, see, I love that shit. And you know what? You cannot stream that anywhere. That and Lone Gunman. You want to watch that shit? You have to go and buy the DVDs. Interesting. I wonder you, why. I don't know. Because at some at one point, I guess Henrik is it Henriksen? Is that the guy's yeah. name? Uh, him and Chris Carter both agreed that it would be fun to do a a film to sort of tie it up, sort of like what they did with Firefly and X Files. Yeah, and, and it just it just kept dying over and over again. So it never actually happened, but yeah, that you can't even you can't even um, you can't even stream that shit now. I, I went, I looked around. I'm like, it's got to be somewhere, and I I went, I looked everywhere, and it is not. If you want to, that's hard to believe. That's really strange. You can't get it on Hulu or any one of those. Nope, none of them. Because I, I subscribed to three huh. or four of them, huh. and then I went you online. Buy the and DVDs. Yeah, but you can buy pirated DVDs somewhere. No, you can get. You can, like you can go buy them. them. You can go buy them new. The legitimate ones. Yeah. Okay. And 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 Lone Gunman that was that didn't even make it a whole season did it? No, it didn't. I heard it was not real good. I liked it because those three characters. You know what it was? Remember Laverne and Shirley? Uh huh. Imagine they were Lenny and Squiggy. They were Len- they, imagine having a whole show of Lenny and Squiggy. That's exactly right. With conspiracy <laughs> theories started. <laughs> hey, what's up? Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, MRCJ. Uh, a thank you and a confession from Graf. Dear douche, douche hobos and murder bags. Ew. I like that. Yeah. Douche hobo. Douche hobo and murder bag. Uh, in in my second message, I want to share with you uh, what I spared from you from in my first email. Personal backstory. In exchange, you get GM confessions, even multiple. Even multiple in one package. It's not that long. No, it, it changed. It's it is long. It, it is pretty long. Okay, here we go. Uh, just let me know when you tap out. I recommend you share reading this story. Uh, despite <laughs> being interested in tabletop RPGs, reading about different settings, and playing licensed digital games, I only dipped my toes into, into actually playing them. Uh, never for long, and only with two games. To get role-playing fix, I obviously... Great, Graved? Craved. I dove straight into LARPing instead. Yes, I know some parts of the crew have reservations about LARPs. Uh, after uh, talking to Americans personally and over the internet, I can only assume the style of play feels very different uh, on, the, on the different sides of the big pond. It's probably different regionally e- even more than that, I would imagine, because 
I just imagine it is. Uh, I was happy and content with my group, uh, at least until I moved and was kept busy with other stuff in my life. A good number of years later, I, uh, while I had a bad time mentally, I stumbled over your podcast and actual plays. While I won't glorify their impact, uh, they, of course, can't solve personal problems. I can say they regularly made me smile and gave me small moments of joy, which I lacked otherwise at that time. Dogs, stop barking. Yeah, I can hear them over here. It worked. Um... <laughs> Uh, which I, I other which I lacked otherwise at the time. Well, thank you. Uh, which is an awesome accomplishment already. Thank you both uh, for the work and the fun uh, you had and still spread with your podcast. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for saying that. Uh, what your show also did was introducing me to the beautiful world of PBTA games with the, at the time, uh, new Just Us Heroes Masks AP. Uh, and the others that followed. I was intrigued. These systems seemed to offer a similar mix of focus on player agency and character stories I already valued so much in LARPing. This time, I actively went out in, in search of people to play with, living in the largest city in Germany uh, now and taking, taking up the GM mantle straight away. Good on you. It didn't take long. While people dropped out occasionally over time, I was overall blessed with good players, and scheduling games was the only issue that bothered me. No horror stories there, but I was destined. But the, but it was destined to change. Dun dun dun. During That's foreshadowing, right there. During my country's first lockdown this year, he means last year because this email is from last year. Uh, I wanted to use uh, the time to play online with different people than usual, and G short games of one to three sessions to work at my pacing gaming with strangers uh but but, group right but for the first time i encountered problems with players which led to the game of the golden sea injected with a sense of of additional pbta juice uh being dropped and the player quitting i was confused uh i took so much of your advice to heart uh, it took a while until I realized where my blind spots were. This game that came crashing down in an ugly ball of boring fire <laughs> consisted of four players. Uh, player one, I've played with uh, for more than two years. Player two and three were experienced RPG and LARP players. Player four was a newbie and only played D&D once or twice. Uh, she also was the only one who I didn't know personally already during the game hardly anything seemed to catch the group's interest i also couldn't manage to motivate them to become proactive oh i hate it when that happens god i hate it when that happens so much uh during the second of my most boring sessions ever i I even would have been fine with murder hoboing i gave them a clear task and a problem at the start of, of session one but left the solution open for them they were free to follow up on their quest at their own pace, and after their first encounter, they decided to take a detour to the city and heal up. But that's all they did there. No interaction with anything I put before them other than the bare minimum. At the same time, getting them back to their quest was difficult as well. After a short after a short session three, we all felt the necessity for a grown-up talk. Points of frustration and wishes for the game were exchanged, but in the end, I still haven't. I still didn't have much I could have worked with at the time. Even a grown-up conversation might not be a productive one. While honest, while honesty and transparency uh, are a must. We fuf- are, are a must we fulfilled they also need solutions for player three it was already too late and he dropped right then and there and gave up on the game after session four <clears throat> not one not one to stop completely after a bad experience i started a new session with a new group constellation though i I included player four hoping to provide her with more fun playing this time after but after three sessions I had to acknowledge while not as bad as the previous one, my group was very passive, and the game moved at a crawling pace again. These new experiences and the additional time I've spent—I've I, spent thinking about the issue—gave me the opportunity to identify problems I haven't seen before. Player one always was rather silent slash passive. Was a rather silent slash passive player which i knew beforehand she is awesome when she chooses to become active but that doesn't happen very often 
uh, if she's not in the group with active players. Uh, mistake one, bad group. She, he uses the word constellation, which is a very interesting word to use for a party. It is. It, 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 um, I actually but like not, it. But he's not necessarily talking about the party. He's talking about the gaming group. Right, yes. So it's the, a bad the, group being... Dyna- construct... Uh, I kind of like constellation. I, yeah, I do too. <laughs> I've never heard that word used it's that a way. Grouping but I like of stars, you know, right? right. Uh, it should be a grouping of stars, uh, but it wasn't. It was a grouping of like uh, boring people. Uh, I reflected on player two's characters. I've seen her play in tabletop RPGs and LARP before, and now reali- realize there was always a socially awkward. Per- there were always socially awkward. Personalities, the the characters, the characters that she made yes. were socially awkward personalities. Okay. In this game, she instantly latched onto the role of captain leader of the group during character generation. I didn't want to deny her that. Sadly, she was also blinded by her amount of role playing experience and failed to see her inexperience with certain character concepts. Mistake number two: not being critical enough about players' co- uh, character concept. And I have to say that Power by the Apocalypse is a lot more character player driven. I mean, it's almost like improv theater at times. I've had some of the more intense role play experiences empowered by the apocalypse in short little bursts. So if you are uncomfortable with social interactions in the real world, Power by the Apocalypse requires you to do it as a character as well and really involve yourself. So it, it can be intimidating. I get that. I get that. I, oh, I think so. I mean, and, and it's and, and the games are a more so than most role-playing games, I, I would say that in in a lot PBTA games, the games are about the characters, not what's yeah. happening to them. And I could also see how a LARPer would be attracted to PBTA games because of that social interaction and that sort of improv theater stuff where you're playing your character and talking out stuff. But it's not for everyone. There's a lot of people that do a lot of just, you know, I roll my dice, I hit the sword, I move on. And so having to actually play as a character, neuroses, Accents, all of that stuff can be very stressful. Oh, yeah. If you're not used to it or prepared for it. So I get that. For player three, it was clear to me he wanted to play a typical harsh, harsh sergeant type. I gave him troops to command and presented conflicts which were easy to approach with drawn weapons. But he avoided his soldiers and rarely promoted violence as a solution to problems. Maybe it was partially a group constellation issue, uh, but my impression still is mostly a lack of initiative on on his part. Already during session zero, I was as clear as I could impress on them that I expected and needed them to act in such a way so they they get uh, the type of gameplay they want. You might see more mistakes here on my part, and if that's the case, don't hold back. my best guess here is mistake three. Even if you're clear with your requirements from, from your players, don't assume they have a true understanding of it. Player they don't know what they don't know. Right. Player four became a clearer case the more acquainted we became with each other. During his first game, or her, during, the, during this first game, she basically did nothing on her own, answered only shortly to NPCs which approached her, and hardly ever took any suggestion I gave her out of game into the game. As as I see it now, she followed the example of the more experienced players, which usually would be a good approach, right. but didn't work here. She also needed much more support from me than any of the other any other new player I've introduced to RPGs before. There again, coming having only played D anD D a couple times and moving into a PBTA game, very different. It's practically a different hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, she also needed much more support from me than any other new player I've introduced to RPGs before I, uh, to build up her confidence in her own improv skills and creativity. And uh, there it is, right there. That's There's a lot of that in PBTA. And if you are not prepared for that, it can blindside you and you can shut down. Well, as I've Sometimes said, it's easier to just PBTA, PBTA is the game for players who don't want to take the time to actually GM. Um, <laughs> who, who want to GM without that. me? <laughs> it, it, PBTA. How did I put it before? PBTA is is a game for players who want to GM but don't want the responsibility of GMing. Okay. Or, or don't want the work of GMing. The, the work, right? That Maybe sense. that was it. I don't remember. I, I said it once, and, it, and, and, and Gina was like, "Oh." Shut up. <laughs> Additionally, maybe uh, maybe more than I could give her in an online group game at the time, 
as I was new to RPGs over Discord as well, mistake number four, don't assume new players will handle the introduction to RPGs as well as others, no matter how many players you've already introduced. These are my confessions. Luckily, I've realized these mistakes and the fact that PBTA games can be rather demanding for some people before my, yeah, before my new game went totally downhill. After some assistance from the Happy Jacks Discord community, I started to hold grown-up conversations not only in group, but also privately. Players who need additional support will get side stories as as one as one-on-one sessions so I can focus on only on them and give them more space to experiment and test themselves out without the eyes and ears of a whole group. Uh it is work in it is a work in progress right now, but we already have positive effects. To finish this, a question which uh, results from the story: Many of you uh, of you GM at cons, where you never know what kind of player you'll get. Uh, I have time to improve my new campaign game and work with my players, uh, but as soon as it, as it is possible again, uh, I'll return to a GM seat at an adventure league type of event. Uh, everything went well there until now, but I dread the possibility of something similar might happen there one day. What are your GM tools to handle a situation like I've run into in this story? Now drink, since the show moved to Saturday morning, well it's back to Fridays, hi, um, probably coffee, but I can, you know, I, I'm not, coffee would be nice right now, if it wasn't for the caffeine, because it's a little late. You know, I'm usually, I've usually been in bed for two hours by now. I know, me too. me too. I'm, I've been going to bed at like eight thirty or nine. I'm turned. I just, I just can't handle it because I, I get up so I, I, so hard. Ever, slowly over the the course of the pandemic, I now have this, the the sleep schedule of a dairy farmer. <laughs> I do. I, I, it's like, oh gosh, starting to get dark outside. Must be time oh, to go to bed. It's like five thirty. Time to go to bed, there. <laughs> farmer Stewart. Five thirty in the afternoon, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wake up. Get up! At, I wake up at two thirty. Yeah, I was gonna say, but you get up at three in the morning. You know, yeah, of course you're tired by five. And, oh, God, my kids hate it when I wake up and I'm, I'm like, oh fuck, they didn't do in the dishes. I gotta go do the goddamn dishes. Clank, 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 clank. Shut up! I'm not asleep. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Uh, now drink, uh, since we could probably coffee, but I guess that's what our average coffee is for. Cheers and good health to you all. Graph on Discord. I think there's something else that you're not considering here. Actually, I think there's two things you're not considering here. One is if you're dealing with people who are accustomed to playing in person, it is different playing online. And I think, especially if you're dealing with a group of people who don't know each other yet, uh, you're, you're more. If you do have more proactive players, they're probably going to beha- quote unquote behave themselves a little more, and they're going to probably try to like back off a little bit to allow space for other people. And that, and they, and that, that in and of itself may create that sort of void of action. Mm-hmm. The other thing is now, now you you seem to have glommed on to PBTA games, and that's fine. But it is a different kind of role playing game. Mm-hmm. You might want to try something a little more traditional. Try a Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds is a is a system built for action, and it's a very, fairly simple system built for action. That and the, everything in it reinforces. It reinforces that it's a it's a it's a game for pulp adventures, mm-hmm. and so if you're looking for something that's more action packed and something like that, I think that that is a system that lends itself to that. So I I might think it, and now obviously if PBTA is your jam and that's what you want to play, then ignore that part of my advice. But if if you keep consistently having this problem, one part of it very well might be the fact that you're playing online, and. Now, most of us have only had a year, years of a year of experience playing online. If we're if we're normally used to playing in person, and it's a it's a different vibe. It's just a different vibe. I mean, we it were very my playing too for at, sure. Oh yeah, and 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 I mean, it, the we were we were kind of fortunate that most of the games that were going when when the lockdown happened were already well established and running by the time we switched from in person to to online with zoom so i think that the pacing and the sort of rhythm of the games had already been established so i think i actually think we had a fairly smooth transition from from in person to online but if 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 it had been a bunch of people who've never played together before suddenly looking at each other because they're playing on discord does discord have video 
Yeah, it has everything you can. Oh, it does because at one point I didn't think it had video. Anyway, but um, now suddenly there's there's you're, all you're seeing is a is a bunch of unfamiliar faces, and you don't want to be a jackass. And you know people get people do get shy when they're around people they don't know. Oh, totally. Especially with something like PBTA, where you are literally putting yourself out there in some emotional scene. Oh, and sure. It, 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 and you're acting. I mean, I mean, that's. That, I was going to say, are you are you done, Stu? Because because I I was going to agree with you for sure. <laughs> no, was no. That an everything example? he said is true. It's, it's what yeah. I was going to say as well. No, go ahead. And, but and additionally, especially uh, if you're going to, especially if you're agreeing with me. Yeah, keep talking. I completely agree with you because everything that you were going to say, I was going to say. But additionally. I think of PBTA games as very um, acting driven, right? There's a lot of people, you get whole scenes where you have to act it out, and it's almost a master class when it comes to role-playing games. You have to you have to sort of understand what a role-playing game is before you can sort of graduate up to a PBTA game. If this is their first time playing a role-playing game, it's a lot to sort of throw at people all of a sudden. There's very little... Savage Worlds is a great example where the dice and the pacing is moving right along. Uh, Adventure League type games, which is all just more mechanics and less and less uh, scenes between characters, is is usually the norm. And PBTA sort of almost gets rid of the mechanics, and they don't, but they almost and in favor of much yeah, more dramatic scenes. The mechanics are extremely fuzzy in PBTA compared to uh, yes. I, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. You know, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but it's, it's not hyperbolic to say that PBTA. Mechanics are, are fuzzy. Fine. Uh, <laughs> I, so to, to sum up, I think it's a lot. A PBTA game as your first game out is a lot. It would be. You know uh, what? It would, it would, I actually think this might be worse. If your first role playing game was Fate, mm. that might be even might be even harder. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be. Maybe I think PBTA is tougher because you, you like I said, you have to you make yourself vulnerable by doing these scenes between it's like fiasco you know you have to get you have to be really drunk and really get into these scenes and you have these whole scenes like acting scenes with with other people in a room and everybody's watching you okay Uh, jolene is defending pbta for a second and and i gotta explain what i mean by fuzzy uh she said i think if it's your first time playing an rpg pbta is a pretty easy intro because the mechanics aren't as much as something like D&D. That's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. The mechanics are pretty straightforward, yes. But I, when I say fuzzy, I, I don't mean that the mechanics are difficult to comprehend. I mean that interpreting what the die roll means requires an enormous amount of improvisation. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, uh, those the fucking Star Wars games. Yeah, with the with the the, the the goofy dice, and it's like, oh, you the had a, tr- a a massive success, but you also got nine drawbacks. How the fuck do you figure out what that's gonna goddamn mean? It's just a perception roll. <laughs> I just wanted to see if we saw it. Now, uh, you saw it, but you go blind. I don't know. Um. Anyway, I I. I myself am intimidated by PBTA games. Okay. I, I is, hold on, this is con. still going on. Uh, does okay. it though? Because the results are written on the move sheets. Yeah, but they're usually guidelines. Yeah. It's not this happens. <clears throat> if in in D anD roll a, I roll a die to hit, it says exactly what to do. I roll damage. You t- deduct this amount of damage. It's very clear. There's there's no there's no real room for interpretation. That's what that's that's what I, that's what I'm talking about, and it and it's it, and maybe maybe what I mean by fuzzy is the results are far more narratively based than mechanically yes. based. Maybe um, that'll work. And that can be very intimidating uh, if you're at if you're with a group of strangers. They they say the number one fear that people have is public speaking, and and in many ways, playing a, a role playing game is, has a lot of those elements in it where you are. Acting out a scene, or you know, narrating in a scene, and you're you're becoming emotionally invested, or trying to convey something in front of a group of strangers, and they're judging you, and that's brings up the same fears as you have of standing in front of an audience and and saying stuff to them. So I can completely get how that can be uh, really hard and intimidating for first time players or, or even inexperienced players. PBTA is is a very narrative and a very player-driven game. And you need people that aren't afraid to just jump in there 
and and be bold and, and seize the reins and, and make the scene and, and make the scene happen or be really clear about their motivations when given the choice what is it you do in this scene here's what i do not a lot of like well i don't know what how do we you need people that are can make a decision and go for it regardless of the consequences and that's another thing people are people don't want to lose people don't want to make a mistake and with pbta because it's all you, you you jump in and at that moment you have to make a decision of what it is you say what it is you what do you say to the guard how are you going to do that uh, people freak out sometimes they just want to roll dice and say oh I failed okay that's whew, it's off me you know I don't I, have well, to describe how I failed. I think that's a good argument if you're if you're used to people who are if you're dealing with people who are used to playing more traditional role playing games absolutely mm-hmm. but if it's someone who's a newcomer they wouldn't know that conceit in a role playing game you know what I mean that's true. We we do tend to talk in our own language, and we tend to forget sometimes. That, right. You know. But I, I, I honestly, I think I think the online thing was probably as much of a culprit as the stuff that he mentioned as well. And I'm it, not it, sure if there's a way to sort of I don't want to say railroad, but a, a way to drive a PBTA game if the players don't drive it themselves. I'm not sure how you would fix that. As well, I mean, if, if you look at just like you know, and, and this is obviously not. In, in no way scientific and is a huge generalization based on a small group of people. But if you look at sort of like our sort of community of role playing role players, the people who tend to be more attracted to art, to PBTA games are the people players who tend to be the more dramatic players, not the crunchy rules. I know the rules players. They are more of the the the, the acting and improvisation is the stuff that they really get out that that's the itch that's really getting scratched by role playing games for them. So I think you tend to see more of the sort of over the top role players attracted to those that that family of games than you than you would see I, I mean I, I I know a lot of people who would would be called rules lawyers who can't stand PBTA games. Yep. Specifically because there aren't enough rules. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm, tr- I'm remembering now as you're bringing this up. There was a, a Happy Jacks listener and friend of the show, Will, um, who I think he started with PBH game. He really loved Power of the Apocalypse, and then he got into LARPing, or maybe it was the other way around. I don't. I'm not sure. But I think I think it was his gateway into LARPing. So it, it kind of reinforces the fact that people who are who who like to LARP or who who are thespians at heart really like the Power by the Apocalypse. So. Maybe it's it's just a lot to ask. I think sometimes for for right out the gate for a, a PBTA game because they can be intense and sometimes those scenes there's there's bleed like that oh, could sure, take place yeah. in in your real world and, and that, sometimes that could be kind of weird if you're if you're playing with bunch strangers. Very, very. but weird when it's with people you know. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sometimes it's weirder because it's like oh these are my friends and I've just you know done this whole weird scene with them as opposed to complete strangers <laughs> of the con you're never going to see again. Yeah, I, I, I guess it could go either way there. Mm-hmm. All right, we're we're at the hour mark. Uh, thank you, Graf, for the email and uh, Graf on Discord. Thank you. Uh, so I think there's anything else. We'll be back for next Friday. Yeah, we're and, back Fridays uh, at least. And we're not having a lot of a lot of people sign up for the for the show as hosts. So um, if I, I kind of hate to do this, but I guess I'm gonna. If you're if you're a, li- a listener and you are interested in coming in and kind of guesting on the show, uh, hit me up. I don't know. Maybe we can start. Maybe we can put in like maybe. every week or maybe. D- it's up to your it's up to your discretion, right? Well, yeah. I mean, don't be a freaking jackass. Already got two of those. I'm sitting right Hey-o. here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, oh uh, Jolene said something else. Also, a good question for first-time player is uh, why? Wh- why type of what type of person are they? Do they have any sort of improv background? Like, there's no easy way to say what the perfect game is for the first-time player. Yeah, you do as that's a player. A, that, that's need to be very proactive in a PBTA game. You can't just sit back and wait. Let's let me be it. clear. Okay, it's really hard to run any fucking game with a table full of passive players. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what the game is. Unless it's fucking Monopoly. You can at least railroad your players <laughs> to a certain extent in like D&D. You know, the, the pacing of a combat will carry the players along. Right. Um, but because I mean, they can't help it. 
there are games there maybe maybe you I, I i've never run pbta but maybe you could make the argument that it would be more painful to run pbta with a, with a table of passive players <laughs> yes. i don't i don't know i've never had to I, do it i, 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 I can tell you it's never fucking pleasant to run a game with a table full of passive players that i can fucking guarantee because i've done it more than once yeah so there you go all right where's my thing Thank you for joining us for Season 27, Episode 20 of Happy Tech RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. And we'll see you next week at 7 p.m. Pacific Time on Friday for Season 28 of Happy Tech RPG Podcast. 28! 28 seasons. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you, chat room, for being there. We missed you you when we were on Saturdays. It's like no one was... Awake. Watching the stream (laughs) when we were on Saturdays for that month. But thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. And stay safe until then. Goodbye. Stay safe, guys. Games or Dungeons and Dragons Hero has mined a major savage land Evil must be usurping Though we could do with less burning You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Why problem make when you no problem have, you don't want to make.